finish it up. It's now time for Mark's Side of the Ring. The pro wrestling podcast where three marks. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. Discuss pro wrestling like it's real. And now, here's Dick Ford. And Hogan, you big ball son of a bitch, kiss my ass! Joey Vegas. And Mike Madness. Oh, yeah! Welcome to Mark's Side of the Ring, the pro wrestling podcast where three friends talk about the world of professional wrestling as if it were real. I'm Ford and I'm joined this week by the one, the only, the incomparable from location, from a bunker on the wrong side of town. Madness, what's going on? Hey, dangerous Dick Ford. Yes, the wrong side of town, the wrong state lines. You know, we're both in those uh, confines, but uh, we're here and it's November. So uh, I think we know what we're doing. Yeah, no Joey uh, Vegas this week. He is uh, traveling, so he will not uh, be present. And we are recording this on Thursday. What, uh, let's see. Hey, Thursday, November 10, and we decided to shift gears since yesterday was the 25 years, 25 years, quarter century, the anniversary of the Montreal screw job. It's the One only, the- it's the only finish in professional wrestling, at least in the modern era, which is the last, you know, 50, 60 years where all you have to say is the city name and people know what you're talking about. Think about it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that it's got that, you know, associated with the city itself, but, uh, man, what a, what a time in the business that was, what a shift with yesterday being the 25 year anniversary, we decided to change gears. Uh, I know a couple of people reached out and said, Oh, you guys do on a survivor series 97 episode. I think I've had a few conversations about that, and I figured I didn't think we were going to do one because, I mean, what can we possibly say that hasn't already been said? This is true. This is true. This is definitely a topic that's been beat to death over the last 25 years, especially in the wrestling podcast uh, realm. But uh, I will say that uh, a buddy of ours that listens to the show, uh, we clued him in on uh, the, the change a little early, and you know, he said something that well, you said, what can we possibly talk about? What can we say about it? But you know what? It becomes interesting every time you can get somebody else's view on it. And that's what our, our buddy, our listener was saying. He's like, you know, I just want to hear your guys's take on it. So, you know, sometimes you could just hear a different side and opinion from somebody else. And it's uh, if you're that interested in the subject, you know, hey, man, you can kind of talk about it for 25 straight years, right? Yeah. And we will watch it. In fact, we should get that dialed. Do you want to get that dialed in right now? Yeah, getting that up right now, and I will. And, uh, and um, if you're on, if you're on Peacock, it's uh, Survivor Series season eleven, episode one. I am at two eleven forty, two eleven forty, two hours eleven minutes and forty seconds. And I also have here uh, with me the ever thick uh, nineteen ninety seven yearbook, the Wrestling Observer 
yearbook by Dave Meltzer. The last time WWF was number two. Think about that. That is wow. the that is the last year that the WWF would ever be the number two promotion in the industry in America. Truly, at least, truly, that's uh, that's a bit unfortunate because we know <laughs> that the competition brought out the best in the business in our in our opinion over here at least. But yeah. uh, you know, AEW made made a little bit of a noise as probably the closest other than TNA since since the WCW buyout. But here we are. What did you say? What do you say? You know, 97 versus 98, two, two very, two of the best years in wrestling here, American wrestling, at least for sure. One A, one B. One A and one B, mm-hmm. you know, man, even as good as this was, the change kind of coming around and coming to a culmination a bit here into the Attitude Era, in my opinion, with this, with this event here. Um you know that, and then WCW and the other channel was just red hot right now. The NWO storyline was going on already for about, geez, over a year, almost a year and a half at this point. Believe it or not, it always felt like when in my brain, it always feels like WCW was like a year ahead of WWF. When I compare what's going on in the two companies, it doesn't feel like it was the same year. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. It makes sense, and we all have to remember here at this point that the WWF is very much number two. They are right. They are very much behind wcw so this is uh it's a weird time for vince you know he's used to being the guy out in front desperate times call for desperate measures and uh you know we could also discuss here too and we'll play it well let's let's play it all right and then this is a a bit of a longer match in a way i will play it in the background kind of like as we go I'm off the Peacock network. I'm using the the VPN and yeah. I have it at 2:14:21 and that shows Rick Rude, okay. China and Triple H backstage. All right, let me fast forward. 2:14:21. 21. All right. All right, okay. I'm uh I'm I'm 1 second behind. You're fine. We'll, we'll catch up and uh we'll do 3 2 1 and play, okay? All right. 3 Everyone get your get yourselves queued up here to 2:14:21. 3 Two, one, play. All right. Yeah, you know what? I think our feats are going to be different. That's fine. Just because, find the guys in the, because find you're the guys on in the backstage. You're good. Just get them to where the Shawn Michaels is coming in from backstage, and you're good. I I'll, I'll I just got there. yeah. I'm at um. There, Shawn Michaels just walked out of the DX door. Yeah, I'm right with you then. Okay. We're good. Yeah, okay. I noticed that uh, the network that we use in Switzerland is not the same as Peacock. No, it is not. So. And you, you know, all right. So you got Michaels here. This is this event has a, a, a weird feel to it, and I don't know if it's because I've watched it mostly in hindsight, obviously knowing what's going on. But uh, th- th- there's just a weird with the entrances from the back and the uh, I don't know. The feel of the match had something to it. You know, there was well, like they a, did a good a ner- job of a, a nervousness. Of yeah. it. it almost. I mean, this almost feels like a work in a way. But because we you know knew what? at this point he was leaving. Right at this point, he was you know all but heading out to WCW. It came out. It it got out. um, I have it here in the Observer. It got out November third that Brett was leaving. So six days prior to this, it got out. I think Ross even makes a comment about it. Right, and in my opinion, this this event, this screw job, this Montreal screw job, was the third and final little piece that WWF needed to kind of vault themselves up into this competition with WCW. Uh, for instance, the, the curtain call started that out and then it went into the, the that led to the Austin 316 speech. And then this 
were the character of Mr. McMahon, and you needed all those characters. You needed the the split to happen for the NWO and DX. You needed the Austin speech to happen at King of the Ring '96 for the uh, that character to kind of hit its peak. And now you got the creation really of Mr. McMahon here at this event, and that's what carried them in through the Attitude area. So, so that's kind of a cool way to see it in hindsight a little bit. Uh, Bret Hart has given uh, all the kudos he can to Dave Meltzer on Meltzer's coverage of the events leading up to and after this. Uh, The November 17, because again, this happens on the 9th, the November 17 uh, edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. He nails it right here. Are you ready for this madness? He nails this synopsis. Ready. Let's go. It will go down in history as the single most famous finish of a pro wrestling match in the modern era. 20 or 30 years from now, this story, more than any famous wrestler jumping promotions, more than any prominent death, and more than any record-setting house, will be remembered vividly by all who watched it live and remembered as legendary from all who hear about it later. Wow. <laughs> that's something else. I mean, that's perfect. That's, yeah, I mean, is. Is, that is literally what happened. And that was prior? That What you read was prior to the event? This was No, no, no this was November 17. This oh, was, I, get, I see what you're saying. Okay. This is you. the edition that came out on the 17th. So he wrote this after the pay-per-view aired. Okay. I wanted to clear that up. Yeah. Right, just making sure. Well, I, only clearing it up for you. Um, Through the magic of videotape, the last minute of this match will live forever and be will be and we and will and be replayed literally millions of times by tens of thousands of people looking for the most minute pieces of detail to this strange puzzle. But the story of what led to those few seconds starts more than a year ago, far more reminiscent of the dirty con man past of the industry than the current attempted facade of a multi-million dollar corporate above board image those in the industry like to portray outwardly that it has evolved into. Hmm. And the WWF, and I'm going to continue to refer to them as the WWF here as Bret Hart makes his way. Yeah, it's his son carrying the Canadian flag behind them as well with Neidhart and Davy Boy. The uh, WWF has stuck to this story, this lie. Undertaker's repeated it. I believe Triple H has repeated that Vince needed to do this to get the belt off Brett or Brett would bring the belt on Nitro, which could not be further from the truth. In fact, Bret Hart doesn't show up on Nitro for another month. Yep. He wasn't bringing it over. No, he was never bringing it over. He's a a traditionalist. I mean, that was one of the last guys I could see pulling something like that, to be honest with you. Even if he could, even if he could, he wouldn't have done it. But he couldn't. He he physically could not have done it. Bret sat at home and, and watched Raw like everybody else the night after. And the week yep. after that, and the week after that, and then finally he shows up on Nitro the night after Starcade. And then uh, WCW whatever proceeded to misuse him for about two years. Well, yes. So 
I want to get that one right off the top, right off the bat, that that is, is a farce. And, and, and the crazy part is, Madness, as much as this story has been regurgitated, talked about, hammered, I still saw people yesterday on Twitter saying that Vince needed to do it to protect his world championship. People That's st- still, to this day, old, believe it. Old habits and old theories die hard, my friend. That is that is something like that gets ingrained in societal, like in the, at least in the wrestling culture's brain, that they just can't seem to shake that out. It comes into like, you know, people now who think carbohydrates are bad because you've been hearing that in the mainstream in the diet world it's the same thing coming to this they 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 just keep thinking the same way they can't shake that now it's kind of like unfairly being defined by a rumor you know what i'm saying like say there's a rumor that started about you that you're actually an intelligent person and hey but you know then think about everyone actually thinking that you're that and then you're actually really not but people think you are it's frustrating you know and then they just they just can't shake that narrative. So there's also Man, I'd like to punch Shawn Michaels right in the face during this. Uh, he was peak piece of shit, Shawn Michaels here. I know this is your favorite. I enjoyed of him. this. I know you I did. enjoyed the, is... the, the 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 desecration of the Canadian flag. I enjoyed I mean, all of that. It's comical, but he's just got a little bit of a, a extra cockiness to him to where it's actually legit shoot cockiness. Not for the the camera. You can tell he's just a disturbed. He's a disturbed piece of shit. So everybody who's going to listen to this, who maybe has heat with Bret Hart over him, maybe not wanting to, uh, you know, put over Sean, because there could be an argument. Well, if Bret would have just done the deed. So let me first remind you that, Bret Hart in his final 30 days, because Bret Hart is no dummy. He may buy into his own hype a little too much. He may believe his own attributes and his own accolades a little too much, but he is no dummy. And he had creative control for the final 30 days of what happened with Bret Hart on TV. He had that in his contract, contractually obligated. So Bret Hart is not the bad guy for not wanting to put over Sean. And Bret says he didn't want to put over Sean because Sean said, I'm not putting you over. A tit for tat. Yeah, like a couple of sophomores in high school. But Bret exactly. didn't have to, but, but Bret had it in his contract. He had creative control. So, so he, he didn't want to lose. To yeah, he doesn't Sean have Michaels. to. He didn't have to because he had the right McMahon. So, and, and here's the thing. McMahon puts it in his contract, signs it. Isn't that a breach of contract then? Has, I, has any, has there any been any lawsuits against Vince? I know he's got more shit to worry about nowadays, but I don't know. I don't think so. I think, I don't, I don't think so, but if anything, how about McMahon going back on the contract that he signed that gave Bret Hart creative control, and then you screwed him for a reason that's not even true. It's not even a legit reason. Yeah, I don't think Bret Hart could have hated this company more than anything in the late 90s after this, and then they're responsible also for the death of his brother about a year and a half later here. So, uh, yeah, 
not not the way he probably wanted to leave this this company. I'm do I am happy that he came back in 2010 and kind of rectified some things and and took in the Hall of Fame, I believe, in about 06. But so um, October 2020, uh, sorry, October 21, 1997, Meltzer writes, McMahon approached Hart with the idea of losing the title to Michaels in Montreal, but promised that he would win it back on 12-7. Hart remembering his conversations where Michaels was adamant about not doing any more jobs in the territory was reluctant, saying after the way the angle had been done with him representing Canada and it becoming a big patriotic deal that he didn't want to lose the title in Canada. He was then asked to lose to Michaels on 12-7 in Springfield, Massachusetts. Hart told McMahon that since Michaels told both of them that he wasn't doing any more jobs, that he had a problem doing a job for someone who wouldn't do a job back, he told McMahon that he didn't want to drop the title in Montreal. Later, McMahon, Pat Patterson, Michaels, and Hart had another meeting where Michaels, teary-eyed, told Hart that he was looking forward to returning the favor to Brett and once again talked about uh, talked about his mouth saying the stupidest things in regard to saying that he'd never do another job in the territory. Hart still refused to lose the title in Montreal. The night before he'd been asked to put Hunter Hearst Helmsley over in Oklahoma City via pinfall due to Michaels' interference, but changed the finish to a countout. On this night, he was asked to tap out to Ken Shamrock before the DQ ending involving Michaels, which he had no problem doing because he liked and respected Shamrock and wanted to help elevate him. Because that's what you did in 1997. Hmm. And he goes on to write here, the personal problems with himself and Michaels, which had become legendary in the business, resurfaced once again when the two and McMahon had an agreement to work together, but to leave their respective families out of their interviews. It took just one week before Michaels did the interview talking about Stu Hart being dead, but walking around Calgary because his body and brain hadn't figured it out yet. By this point, Hart had already stopped watching Raw because he had problems with the content of the show because he had four children that were wrestling fans and he didn't want seeing them seeing the direction it was going. So he was reacting to the remark based on the fact that his father and brother Owen heard the remarks and were upset about them. Oh boy. That was a lot. Yeah, but that's a pretty good Stu Hart insult though. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that was pretty good. That was uh, Jerry King, Jerry, the King Lawler esque. Yes. Jerry Lawler always had the best Stu Hart, uh, rips it was uh it was quite entertaining almost too much at times so they're fighting on the floor here you know yep brett says about this match and i just saw this i just saw this yesterday with some of the coverage that was uh on the internet brett hart said to justin barrasso of sports illustrated that we had another 25 minutes. The match was already good, and we hadn't even hit our stride. Even when we didn't get along, Sean and I always had great chemistry together in the ring. When we worked together, we wanted to be flawless, and we didn't get along, and that added to the intensity. When I clotheslined Sean over the top rope and we brawl and fight outside the ring, I could tell it was going to be a really special match. It was very competitive. That match was just starting. All the brawling was done just to set up the actual match. It was going to be really it was going to really get going after I reversed the sharpshooter. We pictured the crowd standing up and going crazy. That was going to be the moment when it really took off. But we never got there. Hmm. Wow. 
Yes. You never get there. There's a clip of, um, there was a clip from, because remember now, while this is all going up, all this lead up here, so the, the year prior to this, they're filming Wrestling with Shadows, which, by the way, Bret Hart watches in a 25-year anniversary with Dave Meltzer. That's coming out in DVD, I believe, in February. Oh, that'll be a good one to see. Yeah, that'll definitely be a good one. So um, they were uh, they were filming Wrestling with Shadows, which is probably the best documentary movie about pro oh, wrestling. Absolutely. Now, I, granted, I like The Dark Side of the Rings, but those are our two-hour episodes. But this is a this is a full fledged movie, and exactly. uh, probably the best movie that ever was created. And I mean that that documentary was so good, and it, it led people to believe that this Montreal Screwjob was actually a work, because just to be in those with those cameras during that time versus what happened and where they were, the way they were able to cut and put that thing together was just incredible, in my opinion. So there was a clip of it. On I saw yesterday on uh, Twitter where, if you remember, in the hallway, Bret Hart's now ex-wife is just berating Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, I recall this. And she's like, God's going to strike you down. And I mean, they're acting like they didn't know what the hell's going on. God clearly didn't read that email because Triple H went on to bury Stephanie McMahon and now he runs the company. So yeah, that didn't work out. He didn't get his in the long run. No, that was an unanswered (laughs) prayer. Um, But yeah, (laughs) but they knew about it, right? I don't know. Did Hunter know? I can't remember if Hunter knew. I think he did. I don't know if it's been documented. Sean definitely knew. Sean obviously knew Vince. And then I think Patterson, I think, and Hebner, obviously. What I wish is, you know, you mentioned AEW earlier and uh, back on Labor Day weekend, they had a pay-per-view and there was a fight backstage and uh, some guys were suspended and no one's been back since. And, it's probably going to end up being, you know, CM Punk ends up getting fired over it. And there's been a lot of scuttlebutt of, well, what would Vince do if there was a fight backstage? Okay, well, we, we already have those examples. We already know what Vince would have done. Vince would have done nothing because these two right here had a fight where Sean went crying and talking about unsafe work conditions because him and Brett got into a scuffle and Brett pulled hair out of his head. Remember that? Yeah, absolutely. And yes. then, hell, there's a there's a fight right after this where Vince gets yes. got somewhat of a fight where Vince gets punched in the face. And I don't think that was the first time. I believe uh, what Nails was the first one to go and do that in the back. Yeah. So it's you you bring that up perfect because I was second. I was going there. So Brett's got these cameras, and Brett decides to not you know let's turn the cameras off. Let's not film this. So if you recall. The camera actually films the the documentary actually films McMahon walking out of there groggy, stumbling, bumbling. Yeah. He just got socked. Oh yeah, he looks like he's just half out of it, walking in his messed up suit with his hair all messed up. It's uh yeah, like that's the kind of shit that makes you almost feel like it's a whole work. Vince's story is that he let Brett hit him. Brett's story is he absolutely did not let me hit him. It was a scuffle. They got into it. It was not a, all right, go ahead. You I, you owe me one. Go ahead here. I'll let you hit me. 
Like I McMahon, don't buy that at all. McMahon, McMahon portrays that as how it happened. My point no. is, I wish those cameras would have been on, just like I wish those cameras would have been on at the all-out scuffle <laughs> in the back. I wish somebody would have seen it somewhere, and I wish those that documentary crew filmed the McMahon-Hart showdown because there is no video evidence at all. Well, I still wish that they had more cameras on the Pentagon on 9-11 so we would have figured out what the hell actually hit it. Well, a plane definitely hit it. But I, what uh, do you mean? There's no there, wait. I'm not going to get all too up. Have you ever seen the Pentagon video of the I've plane hitting Farron it? Hype 9/11 or whatever it is? No, oh. the, we're not going to get into this topic. Please, right now, let's not. Nothing hit. Uh, never mind. Forget it. Well, something hit, hit it because people died. What was a missile then? <laughs> all right. Nope. There's no plane. It's one of the most heavily secured areas. I like, thought people thought died in the plane that were on that plane. Well, I don't know where that plane is. It might have been shot down. Shot you can down talk in... about 9-11 conspiracies. Was the uh, plane shot podcast. down in flames? Yeah. I mean, that's also the story that the heroic people over Pennsylvania took the plane down. I don't believe that one. But you anyways. Believe that one? I believe that one. Yeah, it's just a feel-good story. They made a movie about it. I mean, fuck. Can we have at least one feel-good story come out of 9-11? No. <laughs> Jesus, no. Are, we, are we not allowed at least one feel-good story? That plane was shot down by Air Force uh, over the uh, rural areas of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yes, they knew where to shoot it. Hold on. Anyways, I got, hold we're on. Gonna... go ahead. This here, though, is what? Three, four years before we had 9-11. So it's crazy how the world changed since this. If you think about it over the last 25 years. Just everything that's different now. I mean... This moment, this moment needs to happen for us right, to like, get, you know, McMahon. Well, well, and, like I explained earlier in the show, I mean, if you unless you think they're between, let's just say the curtain call and this, what other pivotal moments happened leading up to this to actually guide us right into and escort us right into the attitude area era? Because this really is where I believe it's kind of started up. Uh, with that McMahon character firing up. And that was just a perfect combination over the last year between Austin's character that evolved and then the Mr. McMahon character that evolved. It's just, it really just wrote itself somehow. And you, that's, you just can't write it. It's just the way it happened, you know? I could argue that the WrestleMania 13 match also had a big uh, say in that because that's kind of the double, the double turn between yeah. Austin and Hart. That's another big moment that kind of led to the the way things became. So Meltzer takes us right to November 9, which I think, you know, we kind of see this in the movie. And it turns into that afternoon. They're like, well, what do you want to do? You've got me by the balls, Hart said, that he just wants to leave the building with his head up. Hart said to McMahon, let me hand you the belt on Raw the next night in Ottawa. Everyone knows I'm leaving. I'd like to tell the truth on Raw Monday. At this point, the truth wouldn't include talking about finances, contract breaches, arguments about finishes, or anything that would make McMahon or the company look bad publicly. McMahon said he agreed and that it was the right thing to do, and the two shook hands. Hmm. But like most screw jobs. Somebody was lying. <laughs> Clearly. 
Clearly, clearly, it this was. is not the and first double cross. All right. No, this has happened before. I believe it was, wasn't there one that was involving uh, Wendy Richter or Fabulous Moore yeah. or something like that. Yeah. There was one even further back into the twenties. I think it was a uh, Hackenschmidt fight or a Gotch fight. I'm sure there's been countless ones, but this was the one that was most high profile, for sure. Oh yeah, this is. I mean, we're talking. Uh, you know, we're talking pay per view. It's changed the course of the business, in my opinion. This was part of the the big transition, a change of change of the times. Oh man! So this, what do, you, what do you think would happen if Bret Hart stayed in the WWF? What, what would have happened with him there? I don't know. Well, he I think fit- they would have continued to do the Hart Foundation thing. I think Owen doesn't die in '99 uh, because they're still doing the Hart Foundation thing, so he would have never went to the Blue Blazer. True, but because you'd still have probably Davy Boy Nightheart. All still in the company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sticking around. Yeah. So this was uh, Survivor Series 97 here as Brett and, and, and Sean continue to go at it. And this was uh, gang rules. This is when everybody had to be in a, in a faction. This is McMahon's faction era. Well, he was getting uh, a little scared of the other channel who had one of the most dominant factions we've ever seen. Yes. So why not create a, why not create a lot of factions? <laughs> so... Uh, this did have three, four regular Survivor Series matches. And the show opened up with Billy Gunn and Henry O. Godwin and Phineas Godwin and Road Dog against Blackjack Bradshaw and Wyndham and Mosh and Thrasher. It goes 15 minutes and it's a dud, just as you would expect. That's true, but some some crazy characters in there, and that was uh, Billy Gunn and Road Dog just before they were the Outlaws, I believe. They just kind of got together at that time. The second match was the Truth Commission, Recon and Sniper, and the Interrogator and the Jackal, who would be known as Don Callis today, defeated Eight Ball, Change, Scrush, and Skull in a nine minute and fifty nine second Survivor Series match. They got negative one and a half stars. So let me ask you a quick question on the Meltzer ratings here, because you're the Meltzer guy. Dud is better than negative stars. Dud is better than negative stars. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I thought the dud was the worst you can get. No. Or is that like a zero? It's basically like a zero. Okay. Got it. So I knew exactly what you were going to ask. You like that? I- yeah, that's good, because I-, I didn't know. Third match, Doug Furness and Jim Neidhart and Phil LaFont. And the British Bulldog would defeat Goldust, Mark Marrow, Steve Blackman, and Vader. 17 minutes and 47 seconds. Two and a half stars. Yeah, I mean, it's got Phil LaFon. you got to give it a few stars. For those of you that are unfamiliar, Furness and LaFon uh, are pretty damn good. Even though if you just watched the WWF, you wouldn't know it. The fourth mm-hmm. match of the evening, Kane defeated Mankind in a nine-minute match. That believe it or not, madness, three stars. That's a that doesn't seem like those two characters would pull out a three star match. That seems uh, I have to go rewatch that one, see how uh, see what he was thinking there. You know, I'm not going to doubt it because I don't have the clearest uh, recollection of that match. To be honest with you, at this point, do you have these up? Yeah, I have them. Oh, okay. looking at it. all right. Because then I can't ask you for like a. Like a trivia question, a trivia. You can, like a, ask, you can ask. But. Well, no, you know the answers. In the fifth match, it's another Survivor Series match. Is Ahmed Johnson and LOD with Ken Shamrock defeat 
the Nation of Domination, D'Lo Brown, Farouk, Kamal Mustafa, the Supreme Fighting Machine, and The Rock in 20 minutes and 34 seconds. It is a two and three quarter star match. The sixth match of the night is a rematch from the SummerSlam, as Brett would call it. Steve Austin defeated Owen Hart for the WWF Intercontinental Championship in four minutes and four seconds, which could tells you right there that this is not going to be highly rated. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was one star. This but, was to give. This was to give Austin his title back. Yes, uh, or whatever it was. Whatever. However, he had to get the title yeah. back. He didn't have to relinquish it or something like yeah. that. But but as 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 short as that was, four minutes and four seconds. It was still one star when it took fifteen minutes for the opener to get to a dud. So that tells you something. Tells and then some finally, our main event here: Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. I won't tell you who wins. It's a WWF championship match. It only goes 12 minutes because like Brett said, we were supposed to go another 25, which makes sense. A 12 minute world title match of pay-per-view seems a little, a little short. The uh, WWF titles on the line and Meltzer is going to give this three and three quarter stars. Well, that's how good these two guys are. If you think about it, that's uh, in, a, in an interrupted match with probably Michaels not having his full head in the game in this one due to what he knows is coming up. Um, to still go how ahead and he? do three and three quarters, that's uh, pretty amazing. If I, uh, you I mean, ask how, me, how could he not the whole time? It's just sitting there on the in the front of his brain, right? I mean, how could it yeah. not be? He knows what's so, about to go down, right? So I'm just that's what I'm saying. Even more credits, even though it's, I'm not a Shawn Michaels fan, as many of you know, but I don't discredit his in ring work and what he's done for the business for sure. But uh, but this just speaks volumes of these two guys. They can get that kind of a rating in that, and I think we're hitting close to this. Uh, this is it right here. Job time here. Let's listen. Yeah, the infamous Loogie right in the face, McMahon. Sean does a good job, but hindsight being 2020, he kind of oversells the fact that it happened. He kind of yeah, I noticed that he almost gets too upset. Yeah, like he, he almost looks yelling. guilty, which he yeah, is. Yeah, he, <laughs> he did a poor acting job there, in my opinion. Yeah. Too much, too much um and there's it, the show goes off the air. Too much looking back, too much, yeah. So Brett's going to uh, spit in McMahon's face, as we saw there, and then he's going to just trash the ringside area, smashing monitors, and clearly upset. He's going to write into the sky, WCW, and then he's going to go in the back, and he's going to confront Sean. Sean's going to die. I had no idea, man. I swear. I swear. I swear to God, which is the first sign of a liar. Is the one yeah. who swears to God, and uh, and then Vince is going to go in there and he's going to fight Bret Hart. 
And uh, I don't know if it's tomorrow, if it's the next night or the week after he he's on Raw with a black eye. Is it the next night? I believe it has to be. It could be the next night. Yeah, Yeah. it's hard to remember. There was that interview when he had that like uh, tan coat jacket. The shiner, I believe. I don't remember if that was the day after or the week after. Yeah, I I don't know. But But remember, Vince is going to sweep according to Vince Russo. McMahon's going to sweep this thing under the rug and pretend like it never happened. It's Vince Russo pounding him that he's got to go on TV. And that's where we get the infamous Brett screwed Brett. Right. And that was actually one of the best decisions that could have happened because, like I said, this will be the third time on the show. This is what the event that created the Mr. McMahon character. And and again, I know you're a Russo guy. I am too. And then that just shows you how... How, how pivotal or how influential he was as well within this this time. No matter how much you want to hate the guy, some people just really dislike Vince Russo, but he had such a role to play during this time in, in switching this thing up. I think he saved his company. But I will say that after all these years, Brett did not screw Brett. Vince screwed Brett. Absolutely. I mean, it's completely obvious. It's... And now, 25 years later, Vince has completely screwed himself. Yeah, Vince definitely screwed himself. He screwed uh, Divas. <laughs> he absolutely screwed himself. So if you've never seen it, if you're younger, not as old as Madness and I, and you've only heard about it and seen it on uh, Survivor Series 97, I recommend watching the wrestling with shadows movie and like i said there's one coming out in february where brett watches it 25 years later and he watches it with Meltzer. Meltzer says it's a lot of brett talking and and dave guiding i'm Uh, excited to see that i have no idea that was coming um is that going to be available? Did they set anything where else that is? I, I mean, I'm not going to buy it on DVD. I don't know. I don't know. I'll keep you. I'll keep. There's I'll keep be a everyone to, abreast. Yeah, got to be a place to, to stream that thing because that that'll be a must watch in my opinion. And if you, I feel like anyone that will listen to this podcast, unless they're younger, has seen this documentary. But if you can't, if you haven't, it's it's incredible and and well worth something to go sit down and give your undivided attention to for a few hours. Oh, yeah, and the timing, you know, the timing of it all is just Im- impeccable. Because you couldn't it's... write better. Uh, you couldn't no. write it better. That's why That's why it's almost unbelievable that you want to call it a work, because it was that good. Like, someone had to write this, but it, it, it wasn't. And uh, 25 years later, we're going to go ahead and still believe that. Oh, yeah, I don't. I'm not. Um... No, I'm not either. It's just almost hard to believe because of how it worked out. I'm like, not on the uh, it was a work bandwagon. I'm sorry. No, I'm on the I can see how it looks like a work bandwagon, but it's definitely not. So. I think I mean. I'm looking here to see if there's anything else. Well, uh, this this event led to a lot of guys jumping out of the company. Uh, this got rid of uh, Nightheart. It got rid of Davy Boy, Crush, and Rick Rude all took off. Yeah. And, uh, so. And, uh, go ahead. In protest, I was going to say of this event. And if you would have, th- if you think about it, I wasn't probably thinking that way back in the uh, back in the days of what fourteen year old at this point. Now looking back. 
wouldn't you think if you were watching this as this happened right now with the shape of the two companies and how things were going with with Bret Hart leaving being their top guy essentially still and and with all those other guys jumping ship over to WCW for the new year in 98 wouldn't you think that this company was fucking screwed at this point yeah oh yeah like literally like oh they just shit the bed Vince just screwed his they were, they were screwed with Bret let's be honest no, I was exactly. I I yeah. already thought they were in some deep shit, or were, especially looking back, taking out the but, water coolers. The infamous like you're line. Just, you're, yeah, and there was even rumors of Michaels going over to WCW later to join the NWO and all that. Uh, it's just a, some of those guys, man. They just held on to just enough and created the Rock and creating the Rock and Steve Austin, basically. Just so going to save this company. Earlier, I mentioned that there were other double crosses, and of course, right here it is, two pages over. Uh, there was a 1911 uh, Frank Gotch, George Hackett-Schmidt double cross, which seems to be the first, uh, seems to be the first double cross on record. 1911. Is that the one that was at, Sol- at uh, Comiskey Park? It sounds like it. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, a couple of years busy, before your time. I was time. busy, busy doing other things with 1911. I was, yeah. I was helping them so, yeah, the Titanic. There was a ton of them. Uh, and uh, we'll we could talk about um, that double cross next month or in two months from now, I guess, when we do the Anoki episode. But you have the Anoki Bob Backlund double cross. That's interesting. And yeah, the one that you brought up, he does not mention in this book here. Well, that's because it's women's wrestling. Uh, but anyways, are you saying yeah. he's anti women's wrestling? Sounds like it. There's a I mean, gorgeous George like double cross. Oh, yes. I remember this with Don Eagle. Yes, yes, yes. I was there for this, 1950. Oh, yeah. You were uh, you were only, what, 68 at that point? Yeah. Yeah, we're time travelers. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're that's what we do on the weekends. If you could go back in time. What, I would go back to see gorgeous George Russell. Would you go back to the, the 60s, the 50s and 60s? Yeah, I would go back to the gorgeous George heyday. Remember, gorgeous George is credited for making TV popular. That's how big of a star gorgeous George was. I mean, yeah, he is literally credited for making television popular. Look it That's up. Crazy. That's how famous he, gorgeous George he, was. I know. I just still can't believe he transitioned to a woman and started dating Randy Savage in WCW. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. He aged backwards like Benjamin Button. I know. He went from just. uh, I went to his gravesite actually. Did you really? Where is that? It's in it's in L.A. Is it? Yep. I went there and I paid my respects. I'm a big gorgeous George Mark. No, hey, that's you wouldn't know that about me. No, that's interesting to know. Kind of kind of strange, but why is that kind of strange? I don't know. Just you looking at old men dressed like that and in the night. <laughs> I look at you dressed like that, and you're old. I'm not that old. You're just not in black and white. Hey, I'm in. Uh, we're we're hitting the. Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Wendy Richter, Spider yeah. Lady. There it is. It is in the book. It is in the book. Yeah. My apologies. I knew it would be in there. I highly, I highly recommend. I'm going to give a little cheap plug in here for for these books. There's a few of them. Um, several different years. Like I said, I have 1997, the Wrestling Observer Yearbook. It it tracks all of the big stories from that year. It doesn't just do wrestling. It does MMA, does whatever Meltzer writes about. I highly recommend. There's a few years. I think there's 94 uh, with the steroids. There's a couple more that I have to get myself. But I highly recommend these books. They are um, 
books you can learn if you really want to learn. Well, I know you don't read. I know you don't read. I read daily, folks. Sir. I know you just don't read wrestling books, but it is um, you can you can learn a lot if you uh, want to read some. If you're into wrestling books, Meltzer's uh, yearbook. I'm overdue this, for a wrestling book. I, the last wrestling book I read was the Jerry the King Lawler one that he released about 20 years ago. But this this line on the front cover, it, it, it stuck with me. The last time WWF was number two. And that yeah. line stuck with me because it was, you think about it, you're like, holy shit. In the last 25 years, they have not been number two. Blow, blows my mind. I mean... You'd think that someone can put something against them, but again, it's like it's the machine. You know what yes, I'm saying? It's, it's too the big familiarity. This point. It's the it's the McDonald's. You know, you're not going to create some new fast food joint and beat McDonald's. This is WWE is the McDonald's of wrestling. Yeah, if you, if you ask me. Yeah, and I don't I don't partake in either of those places. No, because look at I. Uh, you know, like I tell everybody, you know, nobody sells more burgers than McDonald's. But McDonald's does not make the best burger. All right. No. Not at all. No Actually, wrestling companies. McDonald's, pick- McDonald's is a real estate company. Right? Oh yes, they're yes they're a leasing. They're a they're a property uh, management company. That's what they are. Absolutely. You correct. saw that movie? It's a good movie. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was a good. Can't, movie. can't remember the name of it right now. With Michael Keaton, my favorite Batman. It was a good Batman. So Survivor Series '97, like Dave said, will go down in history. As the single most, and so goodbye, <laughs> and good night, bang.